Welcome to the Data Podcast. My name is Brian Ward, the creator and host of the Data Podcast. I am a coach, Marine Corps veteran, speaker, husband, and you guessed it, a dad. Are you ready to be inspired to be the best dad you can be for your family? This show will provide you with the tips, tools, and strategies to do just that. Are you a dad just going through the motions? Or are you looking to really elevate your dad game to the next level? Truth is, it is a blessing to be a dad. This is a responsibility we must take seriously. In the end, how do you want to be remembered? I hope you want to be remembered as a phenomenal dad. Your legacy starts in the home, not outside the home. If you're really ready to elevate your dad game, then make sure you bang that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Now, let's get started. Data. Welcome to another episode of Data Up, everyone. Thank you guys very much for joining me. I'm excited to talk to this individual today. He and I have gotten a chance to connect, just like all my guests, through social media. And uh, he's doing some remarkable things. He's, he's got a family, and I'm, di- I'm dying to get into not only that, but his back history, because he's got a great story behind him as well. But my good friend David James has joined me on Data Up. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, Brian. How are you? Doing well, man. Doing well. You and I've gotten right. a chance to talk a little bit uh, before we started recording. Um, so it's been uh, nice to get to know you a little bit. Um, but let's dive into a little bit of ha- back history of you, um, kind of how you grew up and uh, then, you know, kind of the things you got into and then what you're doing now and obviously your family as well. Oh, thanks again for having me. Um, so my name is Dave. Um, I grew up uh, a Navy brat. Um, both parents were in the Navy. Um, my biological father and my mother separated very early. Um, but she remarried around five and he was also in the Navy. So we moved around a lot. I was from South Carolina to North Carolina to Florida. Um, and about eight years old, I grew up on the West coast. We moved to the Bay area. Um, and there I had a, you know, a pretty normal, good upbringing. Um, I felt, um, you know, probably like any other kid that just wanted to fit in that moved a lot. Right. Um, and, and I did well with that. Um, even at a young age, um, I was always showing off, um, you know, just trying to get attention. Um, I was class clown a couple of times, um, but, um, you know, going from spot to spot um, and trying to always fit in, I don't think I ever really found a, a group of friends to, like, always have around forever, right? Um, I did eventually find that later. But so this led me to bouncing around a bunch of groups at a young age, even neighbors and um, being a Gen Xer and the early nineties, late eighties, early nineties in California. Um, there were, uh, lots of, uh, things that we shouldn't have been doing at those ages. Um, you know, it was parents still, you know, come home when the the street lights come on, you know, drinking out of the garden hose kind of stuff. Uh, but there was a lot of exploring and, and figuring out, um, as a young boy, um, Lost your camera. Sorry about that. I hit a button by accident. Um, 
you know, figuring out, you know, whose family and whatnot. Um, so about 1990, 91, I now have a, um, a younger sister and a younger brother. She's eight years younger than me. He's 10 years younger than me. And my mom gets shipped off to Whidbey Island because she was in the reserves <clears throat> um, to fill in for whoever was going to the Kuwait war. Right. Um, so there I'm 10 and a half, 11, maybe uh, 12. Um, quit my paper out. <laughs> I was a paper boy for a little while. Um, but now I'm, you know, pseudo de facto mom, right? My dad still works normal. He's up at 4am every day, just like I was. Um, I'm, you know, de facto mom. And that's, you know, that's a little bit too much responsibility for a 12 year old at that time, at least the way that's how I perceive it now. Right. Um, it, it was good, but it never gave me that sense of these are my family. You know, this is my family. These are my people. Like it was my younger brother and my younger sister. Like you guys are nuisances. I want to go hang out with my friends. Right. Um, so you know, I was I was always into sports. I was really good um, at soccer, baseball, football. Um, but once I got to high school, it's like after football, I just didn't care about any other sports. Uh, now it's just hanging out and partying um, and, you know, being with the crowd. Um, so ironically enough, um, being with that crowd um, and only wanting to worry about football, I knew a couple of the guys that had steroids. Um, so I wanted to get some steroids so I could get, some, you know, get bigger. Um, well, you can't exactly go ask your mom for $300 worth of steroids, right? For $300 for steroids. And so I started selling weed, right? I'd take little nickel sacks, get, you know, sell them for dime sacks. Um, but sooner or later, that sped up really fast beyond, you know, just weed. And it, every few bucks that we would make, now we're also using it to just supplement our partying, you know, our booze, our weed. And sooner or later, that those turn to all flavors of drugs around, you know, teenage years, 14, 15, 16, 17, hmm. right? Um, Ironically enough, never did steroids, not once to this day, <laughs> but that set me on the path of, um, being, you know, more of the socialite, you know, liking people coming to me for, you know, getting some weed or liking that I had extra money, right? That now I don't have to ask mom for clothes. Now I don't have to ask mom for steroids, but I, I, it happened so fast um, because it became uh, meth and early mid nineties meth is it's not a, not a road. Most people come back from, right. Mm -hmm. um, that turned into a quick year and a half spiral of, I didn't even graduate on time. Right. Like I graduated with everybody, um, but I never walked. Um, 
I was six credits shy because I was sleeping in class. Mm. Um, at that point, I had been arrested a couple of times, uh, graffiti, you know, um, small thefts um, from my habit because it got that bad. Um, it got to the point where I even burglarized my own neighbor's house. Mm. Um, shortly after that, I go to uh, rehab. First time it's white wall kind of rehab. Um, get kicked out of that after 10 days. Um, got a little violent. <laughs> they don't like that. Uh, you can't put hands on people uh, when you're trying to get uh, sober, right? Um, um, so I get kicked out of that. I got my case coming up and my parents, they're now moving to the East Coast. Um, both got transferred where we're at now um so go in front of the judge because i didn't believe that i was going to have to if i was in rehab so i get out go in front of the judge and they wanted six years in cya and i'm like whoa that is that's some heavy shit right there um and i was you know <laughs> it was probably the one time in my life I distinctly remember like this could be it like I, I could check out right now and just not ever deal with that right um, but I didn't it was a fleeting thought and um, turns out I, they only wanted three months from me I was 17 when it happened 18 when I got to go to jail um, and I wind up doing three months and you know a little level two county bounced around a little bit but the day after i go my parents moved east and i knew they were doing it they it wasn't like they just up and left right <laughs> um so i do my time i get out i'm thinking you know i'll just get a construction job i can stay out here i'm not moving out to the east coast and my mom after like one week was like here's a ticket get your ass out here and you know probably one of my better decisions in life um so i move out east and i you know it's like all right i gotta make some better choices you know i've always been a hard worker right you know i've been working i was probably mowing lawns at eight let alone paper boy at 10. i'm just always very very driven um to get what i want because i was good at getting what i want and manipulating <laughs> um but no, now that now it was really time to work. So I started working, got a quick Home Depot job for a year and a half, and that turned into uh, me wanting to go into computers. So I got a got a loan, went to um, New Horizons Learning Center, got my A plus, Net plus, MCSE um, in the late '90s, um, and from there I just got a lot of experience and kept progressing, especially through the tech bubbles that we were going through and being in the area that we're in um, with government contracting and um, big tech. Um, so that's basically what I had been doing for the last 25 years, um, advancing uh, my career. And, you know, I bought my first house with my ex-wife at 24. Um, we got separated when I was 27, but we had bought another house 
Um, and then when we got separated, um, that's when my drinking really started to take over. Um, because up until then I had had my problems, um, with drinking, especially since moving to the East coast, <laughs> um, West coast, they find you, you know, 18 with beer, they just pour it out, right? Go home, kid. Um, here they, you know, extort you for taxes. Yeah. Um, but, it, um, yeah, so I think by that time I had already had two DUIs. I had had at least three drunk, drunken publics, some underage possessions of alcohol, um, you know, and me all being very young and, you know, like I got a good job, you know, I've got a house, you know, I can, we're, I've gotten separated now, like, you know, the rest of life is advancing, right? It's really hard to see problems when everything else is good, right? Um, so get divorced. And for the most part, I was always in a monogamous relationship. But in between that monogamy over the years, it was just party animal central. And it was probably I probably went six or seven uh, I think it was eight, eight or nine years without getting in any trouble at all. And, you know, I would say it was probably three years of actually like being so or not sober, uh, being separated and doing me um, before it, it caught up. And it was like a series of DUI after DUI after DUI, a couple of years DUI, a couple of years DUI. Mm. Um, and I'm not sure where exactly that I realized I had a problem um, and finally admitted it to myself and pretended to go to more than just meetings and, you know, just show up, right? <clears throat> Um, but I, but I didn't do anything to change it. Right. I just kept getting out of trouble. That's all I would do. Mm -hmm. Um, some, some, uh, employers were less than thrilled with some of my things. Most had no idea. Um, but my latest one before, um, had actually been through, uh, some of these trials and tribulations with me and stood behind me. Um, which was great because it was uh, a shift in the collective thinking of, you know, society of, oh, this guy's an alcoholic as opposed to, hey, let's let's work with him. You know, the last 10, 15 years has been really good for um, support groups being more open, not so anonymous, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous. There's there's a reason it was that anonymous to begin with and that's never been me so i've always been open and honest about what what i go through um but it wasn't until 2017 where i finally was like all right i'm gonna do this for me i'm about to be 40. i can't because at this point i wasn't getting in any trouble anymore because i didn't have a car <laughs> i was literally for the last two or three years before that i would just drink at home, 
right? It hadn't quite gotten to the point where I was drinking all week um, or not able to perform my job. Um, there were days, obviously, where I'd call out, but um, it wasn't seven days a week, constant need for the substance. Um, so I went to the Fancy Pants Rehab. I had seen it on ESPN. It's like, oh, there's palm trees and, you know, a pool. <laughs> um, so I took out a loan on uh, my 401k, um, spent a pretty penny to go to basically a resort uh, with a bunch of meetings and all the best food. And I brought my dog. <laughs> that was really cool. Um, and it, it did what it needed to do. Um, it got me sober. It got me away from the substance uh, long enough for me to make some changes. Cause I was, I was thinking, you know, at that point I wasn't married. I didn't have a kid. Like I didn't have anybody to re be responsible to or for other than myself. I just didn't realize, you know, I, I was worth it. I just, just didn't care. I wasn't actively like, like trying to kill myself or anything, but I didn't care that it's Saturday morning and I'm opening a bottle of vodka. <laughs> right. Um, so I go to that rehab, I get seven or eight months sober and wind up a uh, buddy called me and said, Hey, can you get to Greece? 400 bucks on uh, this, um, 1900 bucks for a sailboat trip. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, and I actually made it all the way to Greece without drinking, which was <laughs> my uh, first of flying without, without alcohol. But as soon as I got there, um, you know, it's like you let loose a little bit and it was an amazing trip. I did drink the entire way. Um, but at the very end I met my wife and, you know, we had one little kiss goodbye as she put me on the sea jet as we left and we talked for three months um from there um she was living in italy at the time and i i told her as soon as i got home you know hey i'm i'm sobering up right that was just a a vacation right um so i fell in love with her and made plans to go to italy um three months later and then at halfway through those plans i'm like well let me just bring her back you know what? I'm just going to give her a ring um, on the bridge in uh, Venice and we'll see. Right. You know, and I hadn't drank. I did drink in, in Italy when when we had met, um, came back, stopped drinking again. And she got pregnant pretty, pretty quick. And I, that's it was great. Right. That's what I wanted. I'm like, this is. It's a beautiful story, right? Because <laughs> um, it's what I had always wanted. I was, I didn't have my boy till I was 41. I was starting to question my swimmers, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> I you know, had plenty of oopsies over the years, right? I'm like, well, what's going on with my guys? <laughs> um, uh, but from there, I, like, I, getting sober wasn't enough for what I wanted and what was now on my plate. I had always told girls in the past, you know, I'll, I'll stop drinking, I'll stop smoking when I have a child. 
right? And that turned out to not be enough at the time for me. Um, I was drinking again fairly quickly. Um, you know, it starts, it always starts off innocent. Her and I went to, you know, one of the Italian spots, had some wine. And then, you know, as we're going through life, you know, and working and going to doctor's appointments and et cetera, it's just more and more, at least on my end. Right. And it became a problem again. And I, uh, I just wasn't a good person now that I look at back at it. Like I wasn't who I, I, w- I wasn't someone I re- would respect, you know, looking back at it. Like it's, and that's the insanity of, you know, the disease of the brain, right. That you get when you've been drinking for a long time. It's, you have all these reasons to quit all these reasons to stop, you know, you've already been through it, or at least I have a 100 times, all of these examples. And none of it was enough. Mm -hmm. Um, So in the summer of 2020, uh, right, right as COVID had started, actually, I said, All right, I think my son was almost two. I said, all right, I'm going to quit. And nothing bad had happened. I had been arrested any time recently or anything. It wasn't on probation. And I gave it the good, the good try, right? And then I said, all right, nope, that's not going to work. Let's try and abuse. I put myself on and abuse. Got about two months right into the beginning of COVID. Was doing okay. Lost 10 pounds. Um found out that it wasn't working and there i go again sneaking it off um still no problems but july 4th um i had a four-day bender and my wife it was one of those ones where like your wife's gonna leave you you didn't i didn't go to jail or anything but like i just acted like such an asshole where it's like how much can she tolerate she moved here for this you know that kind of thing um so I had been watching YouTube videos and came across my mentor, one of his videos, and I was like, boom, I'm in. And from that day forward is when I think my personal development process began. Um, and my that was like, it was like the beginning of the awakening, mm-hmm. right? Um, I... <laughs> The path wasn't that path wasn't straight either. Right. Um, but that was what I needed at the time. Um, immediately sober, immediately sober. I was and another part of the, the, the four day weekend was a buddy of mine sent me a picture that I didn't know was taken and it's from an awful angle and I'm eating ice cream and it's a hoodie and it's striped and it's the most god awful picture you could see of yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> just gut like um and that was like something's got to change right and i did it i did it again white knuckled um 
not that I was white knuckling it and struggling with it, but it was not using any of the other tools that other people will teach you or having any spirituality at all. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I crushed it. I crushed it. I lost 45 pounds, 123 days, ripped, um, confident, sober, but disconnected still. I wasn't going to any meetings. I wasn't helping anybody. Um, it was still, you know, recovery for me was getting, you know, all the shit that I broke in my area back together. Um, which, you know, when that, when that kind of thing is the norm, it will lead you back to, you know, the vice, the, the quick escape as soon as things get hard, if you haven't fixed anything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and one day I got, you know, oh, I'm good now. You know, I've, I haven't drank for this long. I can drink again. That, like, that case of the fuckets. Right. And that turned into like a three-week relapse that got me arrested two times for drunk in public. I got into it with my roommate. I got into it with my roommate slash tenant who had been a friend for quite some time. Again, um, falsely charged and, but I was the one one that wound up uh, with the felony charge. Um, Ultimately dropped because I was just defending myself, but that set off another series of problems right um in order to get out of jail in that time i had to go straight to detox and straight to rehab Mm. which i knew i needed detox at the time that's a that whole incident is one hell of a story (laughs) um so i go through rehab still on my program still on my personal development process daily everything's getting hit um I get out of rehab and the four hours after that, which my company had been behind me the whole time, right? Um, I was excited about coming back to work and they go, we're not allowing you to come back to work until after uh, we get some of this, 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 that, and this, and I'm instant. And I've been there with 10 years now, right? Um, instant anxiety, they're gonna fire me, right? It's just, okay. So for two weeks, I, you know, got very little done around the house, didn't feel productive to thinking too much about what ifs and what, you know, you know, plus I had just gotten home. I'm trying to manage my own stuff. I started to go to meetings, um, but really wasn't, I liked them. They were better than the ones before, but I still wasn't there. Mm. And so for two weeks shit is just going wrong left and right i mean the garage door stops working faucets not working replacement parts that are taking weeks because shipping was bad then are not the right ones this that wife is up to here with things going on because it's a new house we had just bought um you know, six months probably before, not brand new house, but it was, we had moved um, from the beginning of COVID to mid 2020. We moved from our old spot and kept the other one. Got our own, you know, finally 
right? And I remember thinking that too, right before everything went bad is everything that I had ever wanted was right here, right in front of me. This is perfect. And that was like, that was the level up right there, right? Because I've always been good about getting out of trouble. It's when things are good that I lie to myself, right? Um, so everything's blowing up. Um, I'm in IOP, which is, is over Zoom. And my wife had gone to take the boy to a doctor's appointment. And I was thinking instead of, you know, going with them, being there like a dad, I'm thinking in my head, I have got to feel productive. I've got to get something done around this house. You go, it's only five minutes away. I'll take care of something, right? Not two minutes after she left, I was on the way to the store to get alcohol. And I remember thinking on the way there, consequences only get worse, which, <laughs> well, that turned into a lot more alcohol. And I apparently did my IOP and my therapist half hammered. I barely remember any of that, but I was in front of a computer for three hours. So I was sobering up and I come out and I was like, Oh babe, I'm going to go to Walmart. Cause I just, I needed that more alcohol. So I made up an excuse to leave and I go come back and literally behind my house, it got pulled over. So that was the last time I drank. That was February 25th, 2021. And that is what ultimately got me to change. I know it's cliche as all can be, but the first, you know, the month before when I had gotten arrested, I only wanted to get out to save my job. This time I knew my job was effed. I just wanted to get out to take care of things that I knew I needed to take care of before I have to go pay for this latest infraction, right? Mm -hmm. um, so Chaplain Vic, <laughs> if, if you don't have anything in jail, you, know, you always get a Bible, right? And, th and there was nothing in there. Like I had no books, nothing. I'm just, I know how the system works and I know I'm not gonna get out for at least a few days. And, Chaplain Vic, a couple days into it, brings my brings me a Bible, and I, for the first time in my life, actually, you know, earnestly sought an answer for or a, a a wish that wasn't for me, right? And I put it in the book, put my name on it, hand to God. I was like, let me get out of here. If you think it's okay, if I'm gonna, if I'm okay to society to get out of here, take care of what I need to take care of, and I'll take care of everything else on the back end. Otherwise, if you think it's better, I stay in here for you know, for the community, for my family, then so be it. And since that day that he let me out on bail, so I could, you know, take care of business, I, I, I just. Every day that I wake up is a, a better day than the bef before. Um, so now, um, 
you know, I had to do my time. I did it. I did it sober. You know, a lot of people I know, if they know they have time over their head. They're not going in sober. So I'm grateful for being able to go through that time and uh, learn a few things about myself. You know, you, you get 90 days to sit with yourself. Uh, I, I'm grateful that I also had my program and all this that I had going on before because I had it's almost like I had to do all of that to get through this to learn what I needed to learn and I have now, right? You know, it's all in the steps. Um, but things are, are not by any means perfect right now, but I mean, they're pretty darn good. <laughs> they are pretty darn good. Um, it's, it's hard to imagine that having built up what I did through all of what I had gone through over and over and over and to have it all hanging by a thread because of one last lesson that I needed to learn. It, it teaches gratitude beyond belief because, you know, when I, when I got first got fired, I'm like, all right, how am I going to pay any bills? I got a pending case. Nobody's going to hire me. Right. So I literally did anything. I dug some ditches. I was, did some art. I sold, you know, sold some items that I didn't need or, you know, just to make it through. And every day since all of the promises have come true, because uh, things could have got, things could have been real bad if I didn't have, I, you know, a few safety nets set up for my dumb ass <laughs> from prior, you know, good decisions, like having the, uh, the old house and, you know, progressing through my career and having a, a safety net and, um, things are just beautiful now. Like I love, I'm coaching now. I'm more of a, into, uh, recovery, um, based mindset stuff, right? Like, mm -hmm. It's all mindset, personal development, um, but I tend to connect with more of the addicts and the alcoholics of the world. Um, even you know the, the people that just don't fit in, that really just want to fit in or want to be you know loved and heard and you know understood. And I think I have such a broad and long history of you know the amounts and different types of adversity that I've gone through and put myself through some on purpose. Most of them hadn't been on purpose, but they're all lessons. And right. um, if I can share, you know, anything that, you know, at minimum makes somebody get a smile, but if, if it stings and it, and it, they resonate with it and, forces them to think about themselves and their decisions or you know if they feel like they're gonna reach out um I, I like to keep my dms and my phone open you know what i yeah. mean yeah how old's your boy now four four years old yeah so there's a lot of uh a lot to unpack there yeah in your story but uh you know just kind of going through thinking about the things that I've gone through, uh, you know, my parents to this day are still married over 50 years. Uh, 
but they were blue collar workers. You know, we didn't have a whole lot of money. We had enough to get by, but they worked constantly. And I found myself where I was like you, uh, working jobs at, you know, 10, I was doing babysitting and, and Mm -hmm. mowing, mowing yards. And I was doing all that. I had a paper out the same thing. I had a paper out. Um, so I was always trying to find ways to earn money, um, to, you know, do things that I wanted to do, but I had a younger sister and I also found myself kind of being that parent where my parents were working late nights. My mom had a, she worked at a job during the day and then had a janitorial job at night that she, she had a business at night that she ran. And I was the one that was making dinners. I was the one that was, you know, getting my sister situated and and taking care of us in the evening time. Um, So my parents weren't around and Um, I just remember, uh, I get out of high, get out of high school. I go into the military. Uh, and there's one thing that I like to say about the military. Listen, I don't regret going into the military. I, I love that part of my life. I have my Marine Corps shirt on now. I mean, I love that part of my life. Um, it helped me to grow up and, and, and mature and build work ethic and all those kinds of things. But there's three things that the Marine Corps teaches you. They teach you how to kill. They teach you how to cuss and they teach you how to drink. Those are the three things that I learned in the Marines and I drank, I, you know, we go to the shop during the day and at at night we were running to the liquor store and and we were partying at night and on the weekends and all that kind of stuff. And that led me to, you know, my parents were, you know, alcoholics. um, So it was in my genes. uh, And I found myself where I was, I was a pretty involved dad. I mean, I coached every single one of my boys teams. I was always there for parent teachers conferences, open houses, all that stuff. That was important to me because I didn't have that growing up. My parents weren't there. And so I wanted to make sure I was checked in as a dad. Um, So I didn't drink when I was with them and doing those sorts of things, but it was always when I came home at night and it was relaxing, I was drinking and it turned into a pretty significant habit of mine. Uh, and I found myself one day and I've told this story many times, but I found myself one day I was sitting in my chair, watching TV, having a beer, finished it. And I told my 10 year old son to go get me a beer out of the fridge. And he went and got me a beer. And when he brought it back, I realized what I was doing. I was teaching my son alcohol by telling him to get me alcohol. And he was 10. And it really uh, affected me. It really impacted me. And I made a decision. I can't do this anymore. And I talked to my wife. She's like, yeah, I've I've noticed you've had a problem with it and it's been concerning. And she had mentioned it a few times and I just kind of blew it off. Um, And so I made a decision. That was it. I'm done. That's pretty impressive. (laughs) That's pretty impressive. My father, my late father-in-law now, but my father-in-law who was a recovery, a covering alcoholic and had been sober for like 30 something years. He, he used to say to me all the time, I don't know how you do it without going to AA meetings. I don't know how you're doing it. And I just said, it was just a, you know, mindset. When I put my mind to something, I'm going to get it done. And so it's just a mindset, mindset shift where I said, my family is more important than alcohol. My kids are more important than alcohol. My wife is more important than alcohol. And I have to make that decision for not only myself, but for them. And um, yeah, I'm going on uh, over 13 years completely sober. And it's it's just been something that I've been really proud of and not shy to share. I know 
you know, they say AA alcohol is alcoholics anonymous is anonymous for a reason, but I don't keep it anonymous for me. I, I that's nope. a story. That's part of my story. Exactly. That's part of my journey. And that's the same for you. That's part of your journey. Absolutely. And so before we kind of, you know, we've gone through a lot in your history and your story, but I want you to know, um, as one recovery person to another, that if there's ever a time that, and this is just a sidebar folks, for you that are watching or listening, but if there's ever a time, Dave, when you are really feeling the heat and need somebody to talk to, I want you to reach out to me because I can help, you know, pull you off the cliff, you know, back Absolutely. you up away from I the edge, right? That. So uh, that's just a little sidebar, but I'm proud of the, the journey that you've been on has really helped you kind of grow up and, and mature. And now you've got a young son who's looking right. up to you, you know, you're yeah. his role model right now. You're his hero. Other than maybe Batman or Superman, you're his hero, right? You're his Absolutely. superhero. So it's important to keep those things in mind when you're raising him that, Hey, he's looking up to you and there's going to be a time when he hits an age that you're not going to be necessarily his superhero anymore. He's right. going to look to other things, but if you, that's why it's important for you to build that bond now. And I teach the dads cause I coach dads all the time. I teach them, listen, this is important age for you to really grow and strengthen that bond with him. So that way he looks to you when he gets into those teenage years and he doesn't want to hang out with dad anymore. Right. He wants to yeah. hang out with friends. Um, but going through your journey, um, what is your biggest fear when it comes to being a dad? What's your son's name? Tyler. Tyler. When it comes to being a dad to Tyler, what's your biggest fear as a father that that you're just hoping doesn't come true or hoping that it doesn't go that way? What's what's a fear? Well, for you? you you can't be addicted to something you've never had. So my biological father, the one that left it when I was two. He was a raging alcoholic and for another 10 years, maybe 15 years after their split. Um, I, I still haven't seen him since I was six. Um, that was just a quick, uh, I was down seeing my grandparents. Um, so uh, not having him as a, a father around right i had a dad uh, my my stepdad came along when i was five he was also uh an alcoholic which i didn't know about for quite some time but there's no blood relation there um so my fear is obviously you know becoming an alcoholic and or an addict of some sort you know back in my day i could go, i could do a little bit of cocaine and, and know i wasn't gonna die Right. Today, God only knows what the fuck they're putting in things. Right. Um, so that's that's a little bit of a fear. Um, but my biggest fear probably is, you know. He's going to try something and it's one of them is going to be his escape route. Is it going to be food? Is it going to be alcohol? Is it going to be anger? Is it going to be women? um what's it gonna be right um and maybe you know it's just something that he needs to go to and i'm gonna have to wrestle with it at that time but that's uh that's probably my biggest fear um otherwise i i don't have many fears of um 
the future anymore, right? Like there's certain things I would want for him, obviously, but I can't think about what I want for him. Um, you know, I always thought I would have a fo- little football player or a baseball player, right? I can't, I, once you go through enough stuff and you learn to live in the moment and be present, you can't be worried about, uh, you know, He's not hitting off the tee very well. I think he might be right-handed, and I would rather have him be left-handed. You can't think about stuff like that. Um, other than that, uh, you know, the standard worries of a parent, you know, another car a car accident or something yeah. strange, those, 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 you know, you don't think about them, but those moments will have fleeting thoughts. So those are, wouldn't call them worries, but, you know, yeah, dad to yeah. dad, they, those, those kinds of things, and you're, you're just, whoa, you got to get out of there real quick, right? <laughs> Don't think about those things too long. Right. Um, I think I'm, I'm glad you said that about, um, you know, uh, some sort of an addiction, uh, whether it's, you know, like you said, alcohol, drugs, gambling, video whatever, games, whatever it is, um, those addiction issues that are uh, prevalent in his genes, right? He's, nope, they're he's, there. Got a, he's got a dad and he's got a grandfather that's, you know, alcoholics, right? Um have that addiction gene to them. Uh, I think the same thing for my boys. Uh, often my boys are in their twenties. They're, they're, they're of, of age. Right. And yes, they do drink. Yes. I mean, they're 20 years, you know, one's 21 and one's 24. Yeah. Yes. They do go out to their friend's house and have a couple beers, but I, so yes, I think about those things as well, but at the same time, part of me sees the way that that my wife and I have brought them up and the environment that they've been in and the things that they've seen or been around to understand enough to know that you you can't go down that path so i'm confident in trusting my boys to make the right decision there's always those things that i say to them hey look if you're going to go to his house and you guys are going to be having some beers and stuff i don't want you driving home so if I need to come get you, that's not a problem, but you need to make sure you're, you're not um, under the influence when you drive. Yeah. And uh, they've always understood that. I uh, haven't had an issue with that, uh, knock on wood. Um, but yeah, those fears still run in my head as well. Yeah. But I think it's the way that you're building the structure within your own home. And this is for any parents that are out there listening that, that may have addiction issues or maybe struggling with their kids or worried about their children uh, having some sort of an addiction issue. It's the structure and the home life and, um, you know, that love and bond that you guys have with your children in the home uh, that will help them through, you know, those kinds of issues. And for me, that's how it was. It was like, listen, my boys were younger. They remember my drinking times. They do remember them because they were of, you know, they were old enough to understand. Right. But they also understand, I think more so, they also understand how important it was for me to get sober and how important it was for me to stay sober. And they still, to this day, you know, over 13 years later, they still to this day say, thank you, dad. We're proud of you, dad, because of the decisions you made to get sober. And so I say that because they understand it to a point where they know that yes, that can be an issue and can cause problems and they don't want to fall down that same or go down that same yeah. road. So yeah. 
I'm confident in that with my boys. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm not saying that, yeah, there could be a time where, where they do be, tend to show a little bit of an issue or have a right. problem with something. Uh, but now they understand it because they've seen me do it. They've seen, you know, their grandfather was sober. So they've seen those things and they've been around it enough to really understand it. So I think for you with your son, it's important. He's a little young right now, so he doesn't yeah. understand it yet. Um, but it's important for you to stay on that path. Absolutely. So that way he's not getting to a point where he notices it or sees it or starts to understand what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so keep that in mind with you uh, and your boy. And I think you'll be okay. Yeah. I think uh, the way that it was phrased, I probably, that's the immediate thing you think about in, in the biggest fears. Like it, those really aren't my biggest fears. Like, if I think about it for him and his future, sure. Uh, my biggest fear is just not being around for him, right? Mm -hmm. I want to be here for all of it, right? Um, and I'm not a big AA guy. Like, I do read the book. Neither I've am I. read it, and I go to one meeting a week. But my the reasoning for going to this one meeting a week is because it's one that I really enjoy, right? All the other ones I've ever been to it's like pulling you know pulling teeth or scratching it's like uh but this one is really good i like it it's crosstalk but it's more about now for me sharing to somebody else right, right? and because i figured out that part of you know some of the resentments i have is my stepdad who's dad right but just to delineate he fixed himself just like you. He actually quit smoking two years before he quit drinking. How I will never understand that one, right? <laughs> Those go hand in hand, right? Um, but he quit smoking and then quit drinking without any help at all, without talking about it. I didn't even know that he had a problem up until I was 14. I didn't find that out probably for another, you know, like six, seven years ago. Mm. Right. And, and looking back on what I know now, I was like, Hey, maybe that's not the best way to ensure or kind of help others not to go down that path. Maybe, being stoic and just keeping your information within you is not the best, you know, you could have done better there, dad, right? Like you fixed your shit. Okay. Show me how, right. And that's one of the reasons, like, I'm not about the anonymous people mm. piece of it right now. Like right. I, I never have been a very outgoing, so I'm going to share all my shit and I'm going to show you, you know, my strength experience and hope and wisdom so that you know i've had a total of nine duis hmm. right that's fucking insane if i can help somebody not get one <laughs> if i can you know turn somebody's life around somehow with anything like i you know i'm a crypto guy too like um i i know how to do a lot of things over the years you know i'm I'm a tinkerer. I figure things out. Um, 
if I can help in any way, it doesn't even have to be just about getting sober, right? Like my energy is focused on helping people somehow, some way, have a better day, maybe get a better life and, you know, spread. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think that, you know, for me, uh, it was when I first got sober, I did start attending meetings because that's what my father-in-law did. He went to two right. meetings every single week. He did it for 30 plus years that he was sober as every yeah. single week. It was part of his routine. And so I started going to uh, meetings with him and then I found a couple meetings on my own. And for me, I, I think I stopped after about 90 days of going to meetings and I'd go to one a week. And I think I stopped after about three months uh, and I stopped because I found myself, I couldn't relate with these people. Yeah. I couldn't relate with them in the, in the group, other than we all had an addiction problem, either drugs or alcohol. We all had an addiction problem. That was the only commonality between us all. Uh, and I just really struggled with connecting and talking to people, you know, during the meeting and it just felt odd and different and I didn't like it. I just yeah. didn't like it. I absolutely so know exactly I, I, what you mean. <laughs> I just stopped. And that's what my father-in-law used to say to me. I don't know how you're doing it without going to meetings. And I just said, I just can't connect there. I have to do it on my own. And I'm and I'm going to do it because my family's more important. That's why, period. Yeah. And that was a big part of me probably not getting some of the signals that I should have been getting, you know, the countless times that I had to be forced to go to meetings for the judge or to get out of, get out off probation or, you know, in pay, you know, outpatient treatments, you know, I've been through it all for 25, 30 years. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, repeatedly, you know, and sometimes it wasn't just the one time it was, Hey, you fucked up in the middle. <laughs> you got to keep going and going and going. Right. Um, I forgot where I was going with that point, but, um, <laughs> no, I, I know what you mean. And, and, um, this is not, um, uh, you know, f uh, let me just make it clear that, you know, if you're watching this and you attend regularly AA meetings and you enjoy them, that's great. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it just wasn't for me. AA not AA is a great, uh, resource for you. If you're struggling with an addiction issue, uh, it's a great resource. There are wonderful people. Uh, that can help you through it and help you go through the steps that you need to go through in order to clean up your life. So I am, I am fully, I fully support the meetings Absolutely. and what they represent and and how they help people because they do, they help tons of people. Um, and so it just wasn't something that I felt comfortable doing regularly. And so oh. I decided to do my own thing. So that's just a little side note because I don't want to get anybody sitting. Oh, me a no, absolutely. Saying, it's, a know, beautiful, it's, great. it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful program, uh, organization and program. And it works for thousands of people. Um, it ultimately is working for me now. Um, not so much like I was saying, you know, um, getting into the readings and following the steps, but it's about, you know, just living a good life and, and my opportunity to share. But yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. Because so the first 10 years, you know, the three, four different times I was ordered to go to meetings, you know, I'm 20 years old. Most of the people there are 40, 45 right. years old, my age, telling their sob stories about how they lost everything. And I'm like, I just need a signature. 
<laughs> right. I'm just here to get the signature, guys. You guys are fucked up. I'll never be any of you guys. <laughs> right. Right. Um, you know, so 10, 15 years of that. And it it took a it took my personal development program for me to reach uh a frequency mindset level to be willing to accept God later and to understand the premise of the AA program, right? Um, some people are, you know, they're gung ho. That's, that's their new purpose in life. You know, they, they're at meetings seven days a week and God bless them. Um, but it's a beautiful thing that has, you know, to be able to go to any city, anywhere, virtually in the civilized world. And if you're effed up, you can go somewhere and just hang out and get some free coffee, you right. know, and talk about your bullshit or right. whatever you want to do. Yeah, uh, no, exactly. Um, I, I want, let me ask you this though, real quick. Um, yeah. when we're talking about, you know, addiction issues, uh, specifically for parents, um, let me get your advice. If a parent was out there watching this or listening and they're really struggling with something right now, or maybe they have a teenage daughter or son that's struggling with some sort of addiction issue. What's your advice to that parent for either themselves or their child? For the parent, they have to stop being selfish. They have to literally realize that everything about them is, has to be about them. Right. And that's, I mean, that's why fit, fitness and nutrition are a part of my program because you have to rid yourself of all garbage that's messing with your mind that's causing these you know imbalances in you you have to remove all substances to really figure out who you are mm. first right from there it's just a daily process that you sort out on your own that's scheduled to your day that is about being your best you so that you can be there for them and show them the way because they're not going to listen to you. My kids, don't, he, he doesn't even listen to me yet and probably never will. <laughs> right. But is he going to do everything that I do? Absolutely. Right. So if you're struggling, you, you have to make it about somebody else and figure out that your purpose in their life is to be there for them and their mother, right? <clears throat> That's your purpose in life or father, right? If you're making it about, if you're a father, a, a mother, a parent, you know, even a, a grand, uh, grandma, grandpa, if you're the primary care for somebody else, you have to take care of yourself first. And that's daily. It's just like recovery, right? I don't, I don't just stop being, uh, you know, having addictive genes, right? I, when you jack up your knee, do you just go see the, you know, the therapist one day? Right. No, right. You got to keep going. You got everything is about the daily process and getting yourself to as best as you can be every single day.
Yeah. Um, one day at a time is usually the, uh, yeah. the normal, the normal thing that, that, uh, addicted, uh, or recovering alcoholics or drug addicts say one day at a time, listen, God's blessed me on this earth with another day. Yeah. I'm going to make the most of it. And, uh, I'm not going to worry about tomorrow, uh, or the next day. Today is the day that I have to focus on. And yeah. once I get through today, then I can worry about the next day. Uh, but absolutely. for, for parents out there, absolutely agree. I know that Alcoholics Anonymous, particularly, they say you have to do this. You have to get sober for you. That's what they right. preach. They preach um, that for me, for me. Uh, I remember my very first meeting that I went to, they said, why are you here? And I said, because I don't want to, number one, lose my family, and number two, disappoint my family. And so I'm doing this for my family. And they said, wrong, you're doing it for you. And I said, no, I'm not wrong. I'm doing it for my family. Because if my family wasn't around, I probably would still be drinking. Right. Um, but so for me, yes, I'm doing it for my family. But ultimately, it is for me. Right something that I'm doing to clean my life up, but I'm doing it for them. And it's coming back on me because if they're, if, if I'm taking care of them, it, I'm taking care of myself. So um, yeah, it's, it's something that uh, parents need to understand. So if parent out there that if you're watching or listening, whatever you are, it's uh, if you're struggling with an addiction issue, I mean, obviously you can reach out, reach out to Dave uh, through uh, Instagram, whatever you can reach out to me, but if you're struggling with addiction issue, I highly recommend that you um, take a day and reach out to somebody that can help you get sober because all it takes is that first step. That first step is just making the decision to say, Hey, I have a problem. That's the first step. Once you can say that, then you're on the right road. If you can't acknowledge that you have a problem, you're not going to get sober, period. You're just not. If you can acknowledge, yes, I have a problem, that's the first step. Now, the second step is to look for help. Talk to somebody, call somebody, go somewhere and look for help because there's people out there that can help you. Um, I think that's super important. Uh, and the lesson that you're trying to teach your son is, hey, I'm here for you and um, you're going to have a good life because of how I represent you. Absolutely. And the model that you serve or the model that you show your son is how he's going to see his life. So he, like you said, he's not listening to you. He's modeling everything that you do. Yeah. So if you grow up and you're, you have a child and you're um, drinking or doing drugs and, and they see this and they understand what's happening, eventually they're going to run down that same path. Um, so it's important for you to understand that, yes, you need to do this for you but you also need to model it for your kids. And that's like, like Dave is doing right now with his son. Um, well, that's awesome. I, I love your story. I love the things that you've shared. Um, we have gone on a long time here talking about um, yeah. all the things that you've done and struggled <laughs> with. Um, I appreciate you sharing uh, the advice to parents and stuff with uh, that may have addiction issues or maybe struggling. But Dave, if, there, if there's a place that, parents can reach out to you, look up, you know, who you are, all those kinds of things, the best place for them to do that, uh, for that information. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at David James one from there. You'll find some other links. Um, you can also go to davidjamesfit.com where I start to get into a little bit of, uh, my story and my program and, uh, what I offer. Um, I'm getting my YouTube together. So I, I haven't been prominent over there just recently. Um, 
too recently. Um, big into crypto on Twitter, David James one. Um, but I, just find me. I'm all I'm all over social media. David James, DavidJamesFit.com. Um, just reach out, and whether I can help you or not, I have built such a massive network of people that I trust that, you know, if you ask me to build a rocket ship, I'm sure I could find somebody that, you know, could build a rocket ship, right? I get in touch with enough people to get in touch with the man that really does that stuff, you know, um, very resourceful. Um, but yeah, just, just reach out if you're struggling. Um, and for the young kids out there, just don't even pick it up. It's, not you're not ready for it right you're not ready for the the risk to reward ratio is so not in your favor at this point with um, what it can do to your your body long term um i've got all sorts of theories about how i'm you know struggling physically because of things that i did when i was 16 pre you know finalization of maturity as a, a an adult right um but just it's it's too dangerous nowadays. Um, I will say, I you know, there's going to be those kids that, you know, they're just in certain areas where it's almost going to be impossible. Um, but something that some advice that I wish I would have taken um, from a, uh, an old friend's dad, that is, if you're going to experiment, keep it natural. If it didn't come from this earth, don't fuck with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, no, that's good advice. I mean, I think, uh, you know, kids nowadays have their hands into so many different things, uh, more things than you and I even yeah. uh, had available. Uh, and it's really scary with the stuff that's going on with, you know, um, fentanyl and all those kinds of things that are out there now and, yeah. and different, uh, different mixes of different drugs. It's just not, not something that you can, uh, uh trust, uh, or rely yeah. on. Uh, it's very dangerous. So I just don't recommend, like he said, uh, like Dave said, don't recommend even starting because once you start, you don't know where it's going to take you. Yeah. Uh, and it may be great when you first start off, but the road that it's leading you down is an, is a dead end. And yeah. that dead end may be your life and yeah. you don't want to lead down that road. So um, that's the best don't, advice. Don't, don't start. Yeah. You don't want and, to know. And one other thing, not just don't start, but we occupy your time. Find the people that inspire you, like that you think about a lot or like, Hey, that'd be cool. That guy's cool. Or this person's cool. Or this is interesting. Um, find people that, you know, do the things that you like and do them well and, you know, communicate, network, um, because it's not just, you know, the substances, uh, you know, which is a subset of, you know, group of kids with problems. If all kids have problems. I'm sorry. Life is traumatic. Childhood traumatic. It's all traumatic because we're just so inexperienced. Mm -hmm. um, but find people around you that you're interested in the things that they do and connect with them as well as find a program or coach 
when do you when you find these things that you like and you go for them find somebody that can show you the ropes of everything up you know quote unquote personal development but it's your it's like a personal coach right, right. a mentor um that'll you know steer clear it'll help you steer clear it'll put you on a different level to where perhaps you might be able to touch a piece of your brain that you weren't able to um, before, or perhaps you're maturing early so you can recognize, hey, this is how I want to conduct myself. This is how I want to be. Um, so what do I need to do and, and stay away from this? Do that, you know, and trust the process. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. Finding a mentor, a coach, um, you know, a pastor, whatever it might be that uh, that can lead you uh, in the right direction when you're feeling lost or or uh, unsure of of uh, life in general, right? Um, yeah. Well, that's cool, uh, David. Look, it's been great to get to know you. Great to hear your yeah. story. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day uh, to be on the show, and yeah. I'm looking forward to us continuing our friendship. Uh, thank you, Brian, so much. Uh, you guys. One day at a time. That's right. It's That's cliche right. as all can be, but it really like once you hone in your day, monotony is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. One day at a time. Well, listen, guys, this has been another episode of Dad Up. Thank you guys very much for joining me. Thanks again to my good friend Dave for being on the show and sharing his journey and his story and the struggles that he went through, not only as a young man, but the struggles that he continues to go through, even being a dad now himself. Um, but he is a, he's a remarkable man, got a wealth of knowledge. And so if you ever want to reach out to him, chat with him, reach out to him on Instagram, it's the best place to do that, or look him up on his website. Uh, I'm sure he'll be happy to help you. And as always, if you haven't subscribed yet to my show, please make sure you do that so you don't miss any of the guests that I have on each and every week. And like I always say, I look forward to seeing you all on the next episode of Dad Up. Wow, another amazing episode in the books. So much was shared and I'm truly grateful my guest was able to pour into you to help you elevate your dad game and really dad up. Make sure you bang that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. And while you're here, please don't forget to leave me a rating and a review. I always appreciate the feedback. Also, did you know you can watch the video interview of this episode? You can by simply going to my YouTube channel at Dad Up Podcast please don't forget to subscribe to my channel. And one last thing, don't forget, your role as a dad is one of the most important roles you have. So if you need a little help or have questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me on my website at daduptribe.com or at my Instagram page at daduppodcast. Until next time, everyone, dad up.